Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. For 38 years, John Henderson has lived in Coburg. For most of that time, he has served the community. At first, he sat on various boards and committees. Then 12 years ago, he ran for council. He was elected mayor in 2018. Henderson wants to be mayor for another term. The upcoming session is full of challenges. It includes massive expansion of the town in the northeast corner. The Brookside property represents prime land along King Street, which is currently under provincial jurisdiction. Housing and rentals seem out of reach. Homeless people are camping in parks and public spaces. Opioid overdoses are at a crisis level. Inflation is hitting everyone, and a recession sits on the horizon. And that is not a comprehensive list. This week begins a series of interviews with the mayoral candidates running for office this fall. I will not be interviewing deputy mayor or council candidates. There's just too many of them. However, you can go to the radio station's website or the website for this show to find candidate information. I'm so pleased to have with me today, candidate for mayor of Coburg, John Henderson. Welcome to Consider This. Okay, well, thank you, Robert. I'm uh, delighted to, to be with you once again. While you have had 12 years on Coburg Council, there may be a few people who might not know who you are. Why don't we start by getting you to introduce yourself as an incumbent for the mayor's job? Okay. Uh, in simple terms, I, I've uh, chose or elected to, to make Coburg my home approximately 38 years ago. Uh, it was just my wife and myself, Donna. Over that time, uh, we've raised, I like to believe, we've raised three beautiful children who are now finding their own wings and uh, trying to uh, be independent. Um, they're through school and they each have their own careers, which is uh, wonderful news. Um, at this point, I started initially in Coburg because I was working in Durham. Um, I had to be mobile for my career in education and Durham Region and District School Board. Uh, based on that, I thought it was important to be engaged in the community. So I started probably the first 13 to 15 years with different boards, committees, the one that sticks in my mind is the seven to 10 years I spent on the first waterfront plan um, at that time with uh, Mayor Reed, Chelovich, and Brockenier. Um, and from that, uh, I always kept a, a strong interest in the town of Coburg. Uh, because of my career, I waited till uh, I was able to retire to commit fully. Uh, based on that, I went to my family and said to them, well, what would you think if uh, I have a love of Coburg? What would you think if I use that 13 to 15 years of committee experience to proceed to council? So in quick summary, I had one term, uh, thankful to the community uh, to have one term as planning 
development coordinator, including heritage, the second term, I was fortunate uh, of moving to deputy mayor. Um, from that, um, I was moved uh, to mayor. And here I am now uh, proceeding once again to uh, become uh, the mayor of town of Coburg for the next new term of council. How is life better for Coburg residents compared to, say, four years ago when you were last elected? Well, Robert, uh, I don't think anybody was expecting COVID. If you asked me the beginning of the term, what was COVID? I don't know if I'd be able to answer that. So um, I, I love the team performance that we went through with uh, not only our team, but uh, the hospital teams, uh, the KPR health team, every team you can imagine, including emergency service, Northumberland County to ensure we got through COVID. We're still going through COVID and uh, today as we speak, we're still watching it carefully and it's different elements, but I'm very pleased that we came through all of this really with uh, shining outcomes. That's not to say that we didn't lose people. We did, which uh, broke my heart. Families were affected, which broke my heart as well. But at the end of the day, uh, we came out at, uh, very well considering all the circumstances. And through that, I felt we're able to maintain um, the caliber within our downtown core of uh, operating new businesses, as well as up what we call the Strathy secondary plan. And through it all, uh, we're able to do engagement for growth, certainly in Lucas Point Industrial Park. I think we've welcomed three, four brand new businesses that we'll be building right now in Coburg, and they're significant. And at the same time, talking about Northern Industrial Park, I thought it was critical in working with staff that we re retained what we have, because these are some of our major employees so over the term, we worked on reinstalling those agreements. They were critical because we certainly don't want them to leave our town, if indeed possible. And based on that, I can tell you, um, up including last night, we have signed all seven or eight to long-term MOU agreements. And when I mean long-term, that's either in five-year increments or 10-year increments which is a good news story for Kohlberg. And in before, the meantime, before you go on, just could you explain sorry. to people, you used the acronym OMU, what, what does that mean? Oh, MOU, sorry, it's a memorandum of understanding that's held uh, through legality to uh, each business, each industry, uh, and they all have signed on the dotted line. So to do this, again, I wanna repeat, uh, during a COVID environment, um, I, I felt we've more than held our own personally. It's not to say we don't have challenges before. We have challenges just like any small, mid-sized municipality. But I, I would say for me um, to hold that steady, stern ship moving forward during COVID uh, speaks well for the collaborative effort from a team approach. You mentioned there still are challenges. What are the challenges that you see lying ahead? Well, de definitely we have uh, affordable or attainability. We know what the uh, cost of living, we haven't seen a cost of living index like this since I think I was probably in my early 20s. It's the highest that uh, we've all seen and this it's, it includes food, uh, travel, gasoline, 
And so we're getting to a, a case where people say, well, do I pay the rent or do I pay the hydro? Um, because it is starting to uh, reel its ugly head and, and make a, a concern for citizens. And I think, therefore, we have to really focus, continue on our budget, what we're doing. We have to, I think we have to do more in the area of the community improvement plan, uh, different types of attainable housing. In fact, I just came back from a, a day in service on Tawny Homes in Ancaster to learn more about how Tawny Homes fits into the uh, building of uh, plans of uh, Municipal Act. So that certainly is an area we know the food banks are hurting, but uh, I want to applaud like Cobra Police Service and other agencies that are going out monthly to do what they can to add thousands of dollars or poundage of food to, to help those who are struggling. But there's no doubt that as the real estate market has gone beyond crazy, uh, we know that because pre-COVID, I know a three-bedroom house in Coburg under impact previously would have sold for on a certain street, let's say for 274,800 mid average to 300,000 and change. That same house today isn't sold yet, but I know it's listed for $885,000, which is it's just, I, I don't fully understand it, uh, but that's what it's listed for. So you can see the challenges certainly in the housing and also in the attainability for the town of Coburg. So we're doing everything we can uh, at, at the municipal level and certainly working with Northumberland County to try to get both uh, transitional type housings and future builds to get what I call attainable housing that is affordable. But the problem is our waiting lists are so long, Robert, uh, we, we could build tremendously, and my answer is we're still going to be behind. So there's no doubt we're going to need both federal and provincial support in the housing envelope. And I want to share with you, this isn't just Coburg. This is a problem, and I would tell you the whole province of Ontario across the board. I wanted to explore the affordable housing rental housing uh, platform that you have. Because as you framed out, I mean, you know, we've watched uh, over your two terms in office, uh, housing prices just skyrocket, as you mentioned. But we've also seen rents go through the roof. Yeah. Um, and rental uh, units have dropped to less than 1% uh, locally. Now, it's one thing to acknowledge that this is a problem, but people obviously want to hear about solutions. Yeah. Can you tell us a little more concretely what is going to happen in the next four years that is going to have an impact? Well, right now we're uh, working to uh, bring our official plan and our Sony bylaw amendments to a new era. And what I mean by that, every seven to 10 years, you should reframe your official plan and Sony bylaws to meet the current conditions. We're very close to uh, bringing that forward to council because of COVID. I believe it will move to the new term of council. I think that is the Bible that drives the land for land development. And I'm pleased that we will be putting in the new components, whether that be under community improvement plan, whether that be the, the supporting of coach houses, secondary units, what kind of funding elements can we give in tearing it out based on uh, uh, someone coming to the table and working with us as a partner. 
it will enable us, I believe, then finally to move forward to tannery property as one example. I think we're going to have to be at the point we can't worry about, you know, who we're going to develop and how we're going to do it. I think if we own the land, we just cough up the land, we give up the land, because land is one of the most expensive things of any building item. We own it, so why not work with proponents, work with third parties, and develop the housing we require, and that should help to minimize the costing, because we know it's the land, it's the infrastructure that, that costs a great deal of money, and therefore that's why houses and different types of houses, as I mentioned, I just came back from, a, can, we, can we build different kinds of houses? We know we're moving away from singles. Can we go to more stacked townhouses, duplexes? Can we build tiny homes? Can they meet the building code? So these are all the questions we're asking and I'm hoping we can reframe. So the next term of council, we can start to actually build on some of the property we own. In fact, the analysis of surplus land that we asked for is just coming back to council. I think it will come back before we end our term and what the recommendations are. But I use the tannery as one example because I believe we have approximately four acres, which, which is a good start. I mean, it, it allows us to, to proceed. Um, there's no doubt we're working with the county and their envelope. I can tell you right now, we've, uh, county's done some transitional housing. We bought a home through the county. It doesn't help Coburg, it's in Trent Hills but a five bedroom home that we bought, purchased, revamping that for transitional housing. But more importantly, um, for, I think it's 473 Ontario has been purchased. It will be a new agreement moving forward with the county between their Thumbling County Housing Corporation Board, which I have the pleasure of sitting on. It will be with Habitat for Humanity and Aboriginal Ontario. And the plan for this is to build a 61 unit in Coburg. So the good news within hopefully two years, that unit will be built. That's terrific news. But the problem is it still takes two years. Similarly, again, through the county, because they own the housing stock, as we would call it through North Homeland County, we just received a federal grant this past Friday, I think in the amount of two point something, with over a 5 million contribution to allow us to redevelop Elgin Park. So um, on the corner of Darcy and of course on Elgin, but the good news for that, that will create brand new living units, which is tremendous at accessible levels. And at the same time, move it from 18 units to 40. And of that, I think 23 will be uh, sustained. In other words, they will be supported and funding. And I believe the others are at, at not market, but certainly attainable. But that's the kind of um, we have to do now to think Cobra can do it on its own or Northumberland County can do it on its own um, is impossible. I think what we're learning, we all have to work together with the provincial and federal government at the table and I look forward to, as we continue our good dialogue, I look forward to the possibilities that can happen, let's say on the Brookside uh, property as well, but we're, we're at least having those fruitful uh, discussions of the possibilities. Before we get into Brookside, and I, I do wanna talk about it, um, let's talk about these relationships with upper tier government because um, the 
the uh, Ontario government just before the election announced some more radical changes in terms of trying to expedite uh, development, which um, your own planner uh, has raised concerns uh, about local control. How do you feel about the ability, I mean, you talked earlier about secondary plans, which are one of the tools that uh, the town uses to control planning. How do you feel about these changes at the upper tier? Are they going to create more houses? At what at the expense of the local municipalities being able to control development and get the kind of development that you've just described to us at length? Well, you're quite right, Robert. Uh, uh, they are going to make changes. The changes are, I think, the first change comes in for July 1st of this year, and the next one comes in early fall. Uh, they're given. In other words, we weren't given any input through AMO. AMO's the Association of Municipalities of Ontario. That's just going to happen. So to your point, will encourage more diversified types of housing? Absolutely. Will it cut some of the red tape? Absolutely. Well, we'll lose some degree of control at that merit because it will be a delegation to staff without counsel. So that might, under the Bill 109, my understanding, that's already happened. Um, the debatable point is a municipality by council can request or sometimes have enforced what's called a ministerial order, which means you forego the entire planning process gauntlet comes down and the building's done, period. Um, I don't support that because um, we were elected to work with the public, to work with staff, to enhance the building process, to make everybody know what is coming to the community. And if you have concerns or questions, it gives you the ability to question, to ask. So I'm not willing to sacrifice that level uh, as one person on council. I'm not willing to go there. But when this application came in from Minister Clark through the Municipal Affairs of Housing, I can tell you this has happened to every municipality in Ontario. What about homeless people? There is an opportunity to take steps to address the crisis. People are sleeping in tents on the West Beach, in Victoria Park, and in other public spaces. What have you done to address the immediate needs of these people and not just the mid and long-term issues of shelter that we've right. just discussed? Well, Robert, we do have a system that is created, whether it's a right system or some people might say it's the wrong system or it's not fast enough, but the systems are organized and established at Northumberland County through the upper tier. I want to make very clear, it's the upper tier that gets the funding both mostly from provincial funding and some degree federal funding. To date, I believe, uh, to, the, to knowledge, I chair that committee. To date, I believe the county has spent over $3 million towards homelessness. And they keep saying, well, we're not spending anything. Well, I can affirm we've spent to date close to $3 million, either by buying, buying land, buying transitional housing, supplying programs, supporting transition house and in the meantime we thought it was important to create teams so what they've done they created the federal program has a hyphus program i'm very pleased to say it's now in northumberland county so whether wherever you're from Coburg, peterborough it, it takes that information that data analysis and coordinates it so we know exactly um, the individual we, we need to assist and help where are they on the path moving forward and what kind of services do we need to provide to them? 
Every two weeks, the county meets with what they call H-Court, and it's a fancy name for saying they have between 12 and 15 community agencies that are paramount both on addiction, homelessness, mental health. They're all at the table, and they coordinate their services, enable them so we can move person A, I just call them person A to be respectful, through to move them off the street into some kind of shelter, food, security, well-being, physical well-being, and move them along to the point where I think recently there were five individuals we helped write resumes. Uh, they did, so they're able to actually get jobs and, and find transitional housing. So that exists. Where the challenge lies, um, let's take person B. This system already exists. It's already working. But when we get B and we say, and don't have to give the name to me by any means, just give your name to the person, all confidential, uh, highly confidential, and you can understand why, they won't give the name. Or if they give a name, it's not the correct name and it's not the correct stance. So, and when we look at them, they'll look at us and say, but I don't have a problem. And what I've learned, unfortunately, and I have learned this on the other side of Colbert, until they become at risk to themselves, or a concern or a very high risk to you as a citizen, we can't interfere through any kind of emergency services to, to, to come into the place to get them the sources and the help they require. In other words, they have to be at that level for us to intervene. And it's unfortunate because we have a handful of people who have not yet identified and I mean this in the most respectful way, that they need some degree of assistance to help them move along the spectrum. Interesting, though, when you're talking about this, because when uh, the recent uh, meetings were held at county council, there were advocates and others, even politicians, who were saying that, um, first of all, that it, it's, uh, it's the approach that's taken, that the county, you have to, as you described, the individual has to uh, ask for the help. And uh, you heard many advocates and, and politicians say, well, it's about developing relationships and that the resources have to go into developing these relationships so that these people can be helped. And the second thing that they uh, said was that uh, these people with lived experience are not at the table and that the county's not listening to those people. How do you respond to those two approaches um, compared to what yours? talking about because when sometimes when politicians talk about this and i'm not saying you are like this but when you listen to them some critics say well it's victim blaming you're just blaming these people and you're not uh truly listening to them and 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 letting them identify their needs and working with them how do you well, respond to that well robert i i know we've worked uh, through certainly cobra police service as well to put in programs to get to the grassroots level and that's why I say we have the 10, 12, 15 non-agencies who are constantly making themselves available, but we've created in-house from the Cobra Police Service, an MHART team. The uh, best way I can explain an MHART team, it's an officer going out with a trained social worker. They go out on shifts and teams just only for that purpose to get to the grassroots, to build that trusting relationship as you spoke about. So they can take them and, and say, here's the survey, we can do this right now and build that trusting relationship. And most recently, the Cobra Police Service 
applied for a grant to the Solicitor General, which we received. I'm very grateful. The Chief's now working on a HEART program, Homelessness and Response Team, uh, as well. Very much the same thing, but focused on high acuity. Very much to your point. Let's go to them. And through this, we're hoping they will agree that we're here to build a trusting relationship. We'll make access services, bring them down to you, whether it be through the church, whether it be through Transition House, whether it be through the county or any other non-agency. The message is, would you let us help you to move along the spectrum? So at this point, I do agree that the county can do, and I'm the first to admit this, we can always do a better job from the learned experience because they will have stories and personal experiences we may not truly yet be fully aware of. And that will only help us to get better at what we're doing and to supply the services. If that's true, then why at the county meeting did you not vote when there was a question asked about getting people on the on the uh, heart and other committees to get these people with lived experience at the table? Why did you not vote it at that last meeting in July? What do you mean I didn't vote? Um, uh, well, there was a there was at the at the meeting uh, in July where the presentations were made to county council. It was July twentieth. There was well, a meeting and there was, uh, I believe, one of the advocates set, asked county council at the time, although they were upset that it was not following procedure, but the request was made. Could we not have people with lived experience at the table for some of the planning that's been going on? And well, I, I made that, that request, turn. Robert, as chair, because I sit as chair with the committee with staff. I made that request in our standing committees and in our private meetings to the members of community and social services that that is a framework we should be following uh, from the county. And I shared that not only with the directors and managers, but Jennifer Moore, CAO, is also at the table. So, and, and I indicated that we're trying to do this through partnerships and collaboration. I use the police models, just one example, but the police model following into community social services, which follows into H court, which goes back to HIFAS. In other words, for these models to be successful, they have to link because the moment they stop linking, to your point, we've lost all coordination and all service. I'd like to move on. You mentioned on your website about partnerships and in particular, the Brookside revitalization. Yeah. For those who care about heritage, what assurances can you give that the historic home located on the property will be protected? Well, Robert, I, I'm a strong advocate uh, for heritage personally. Uh, that's why I elected many years ago to buy a heritage home and to maintain it. And I have a heritage plaque, but that's me personally. I've worked very hard to ensure we're protective of our uh, heritage conservation districts, the County Goldberg, and by way of council and anything we're doing protects those districts. And I know in a draft form, we've created a draft form for the future, which is known as Court Town, which is that section of town close to Donegan. But to go to, back to your point of the question of Brookside, I'm very much would be a supporter of protecting what I consider the three critical sites at this point. Of course, we, we have uh, Brookside, the institution, the house as we know it, which is the stellar piece. And behind that, we have what's called uh, the Ways uh, Cottage. 
And at the very back, we have what's called the horse stables, but it's actually known as the Rose Housing and Stables, which is in the very back corner. Now, with that being said, my understanding we have between 14 and 16 other outbuildings, but I have yet to learn the full details of their historical significance because each period in history has its own significance along the way, knowing that I believe Brookside started in about 1953. So at this point, it would be my endeavor to work with all the groups, right up to, of course, um, uh, our Northumberland Coburg uh, East uh, ACO. I've been in touch with uh, Diane Chen, Don McIntosh, and all the parties. And what can we do as this evolves to ensure those three in particular at this point are protected? Uh, if and when we get to have any access to the property, and if we get to the point that Coburg actually may in time own these through partnerships, that it would be critical, I believe, for us to protect it under the Heritage Act. Uh, right now, that is not the case. My understanding is that the province is not held to the same standard, even though they promote heritage. Northumberland Peterborough South MPP David Puccini has said publicly several times, it is up to the town to put infrastructure in place or to have infrastructure plans uh, to move forward. He did this as, as recently as earlier this week, and he's also done it in interviews in the last few months. He asks, where is the capacity for uh, for infrastructure, sewers, et cetera, for houses, condos, things like this? How do you respond to that? Well, it is true. David's uh, absolutely correct in his message. Uh, under the provincial government, we all have to develop three uh, pertinent uh, dates. Uh, the first date for asset management, what we might call the infrastructure, was to look at all culverts, bridges. That submission was due July 1st of this past year. We've met that. That has been submitted for the town of Coburg as every municipality. Uh, next year, we'll move that to look at all assets that we own. And that's one of the reasons why for right now we have a posting out uh, for an asset manager under engineering to assist us with that massive task and tracking going forward. And of course, the goal by 2025 for every municipality in the province is to have this done aligned with a financial business plan. And then of course, total alignment with budgets. So this is mandated. And I think it's a brilliant direction going forward because in very clear terms, it will tell us on a complete circular economy of cycle, including decommissioning, what are the true costs facing this municipality going forward? So that applies whether it's Brookside or any other site that the town has jurisdiction over. So when people are calling to expedite these plans, uh, the, the truth is until those pieces that you've just described are in place, nothing can really happen. Well, that's, I understand that correctly? No, no, that's false, I would say, because okay. as, as we did a proje projection, we realized already with the growth we're having in Coburg, if we don't do something soon, before we know it, we could be in a, a, a very critical path. And as a result, we did a complete water study. That water study was done by Hoko, Lucy, Sema. It came to the town of Coburg and it projected 
uh, projected the water usage for the next 20 years. That plan was approved by council, it's a wonderful plan. We then use that as the basis to say, we like to get ahead of the curve. And based on that, we applied for funding. We end up getting 2.3, million grant from both federal provincial government to build a new water tower in the town of Colbert. Right now that land is being environmentally uh, done to meet all the environmental regulations. Can't say absolutely 100%, but it may end up going somewhere near the CCC. And the idea is that within the next term of council, we're already on the road to have a brand new water tower constructed that would then serve all the needs for all the growth going east and north for a multitude of years moving forward. With that being said, we've now called again for the growth because we know we have to add to pollution plants. We have to add uh, to do servicing and we've already started that. In fact, this council approved, I think it was five point something million. I lose track of the millions after a while to add down to the east end to start adding. So those things are being done. Um, we're not waiting for permission from the Ontario government. If we see it's the need to enhance our growth, our development, our business development, we're making those decisions now. Opioids continue to be a critical issue, both in the town and across the country. Can you tell us what the town has done under your leadership to address this growing issue? Well, Robert, it is an issue. It's an issue in every community. I want to go back to part of the reason um, we work again through the county, through a collaborative effort, through the NGOs that we have, through the health unit uh, I have a pleasure of sitting on. And what we're doing is we're trying to find, and we know many of the individuals who, who need care, uh, again, through Transition House, through the NGOs, through Forecast, through the different agencies. We are trying to meet these, to your point, get them to trust us, um, get them that we want to put a helping hand out and which allow us to get you to the right services. So that's what we've been doing all the way along. Uh, but what I'm discovering, if, if we get three who are willing to join us on that path of, of, of a new step forward, then I'm finding like the other day, we had uh, three individuals who are not from Coburg or Northumberland, but chose to come to Coburg. Um, and, and so that's, that's unfortunately unfor or fortunately what's happening. So we just got assistance for three that I'm aware of. And yesterday we had three more, we're going, well, who are you? Like, we haven't seen you yet, and can we help? And, you know, and, and what we've learned is they're not, again, let me repeat, they're not from Colbert and they're not from Northumberland County, but we're having to deal with the outcome of that. So we're trying to make them known of what services we do have, how we can assist. We're working with the health unit. Uh, we're doing everything possible. Uh, we're trying to do the education to try and encourage youth in particular not to engage in any form of illicit drugs for obvious reasons because they have profound outcomes. Um, and of course, I go back to the Colbert Police Service. We, we've not only had one MHART team, but through funding, I must say, we created a second MHART team. 
and we're in the process of incorporating the heart team as well. So that's the kind of uh, grassroots level that we've been working on to try and address uh, the issue. And again, I know we keep saying, gee, Colbert, why Colbert? But I have to tell you, when I talk to other mayors, I talk to many other mayors, we're all facing this dilemma. You don't mention taxes in your campaign website, and there's been a steady increase in property taxes during your terms, somewhere between 1% and 2% using round figures. So what can you say to people listening who might be concerned about their property taxes going up in the future? Well, Robert, um, if, if we've been tracking inflation or uh, daily rates that I've been tracking over a number of years, um, they've always Lately, they've been well high 1.7, 1. if not 2. If you go recently, I think the most recent rate 7.4. And what people have to realize when, when we're running a town and we're doing infrastructure in particular, we're doing projects, we're, we're paying those high-end costs. We, we don't get a deal because we're a municipality. We're, we're paying those same kind of deals and we have to decide can we do this project? Should we not do it? Should we proceed? So at the end of the day, when we decide through budget what we think we can handle fairly, when I look at what's been happening, if I say, gee, uh, you know, one between one and two percent range, for us to keep up with what we're doing within the town of Colberg, I'd have to say as much as no one likes to have any increase, I consider it a rather reasonable increase in the scheme of what we're dealing with. And the reason I say that, because right now, for example, we're repairing three streets because they needed to be repaired. They're at their end of life cycle. So we're doing Blake, Victoria, and I forget, I passed the other one. There's one more, Blake, Victoria, and uh, I should know it, but I apologize. But collectively, those streets together are almost a million dollars. And then people will say to me, but I don't live there and I don't walk there. And what's the point? But the point is, we're still in charge of having the infrastructure for all streets or the lighting or the beach. So, again, we own all of that. It doesn't mean you live there and you have to use it specifically, but it's used within the town of Coburg. So, I have to say, as long as we can keep a reasonable, as we move forward, we may find if interest rates stay the way they are, obviously we're going to have to change our format, we're going to have to change uh, our planning, we have to change how we proceed to budget, because you can't, you can't be asking people to use 7.4 CPI and then add immensely, you just can't, because that's not normal times. So... Again, I, I would say for what we're doing for the town of Colbert, and a lot of them are infrastructure related, I like to think it's a reasonable step forward because the only thing not is not to do this. And that's what some municipalities did many years ago. They just didn't give any increases or very few or very little. But then it went on for seven or eight years in some municipalities. Well, guess what? Then when all your infrastructure needs to be, Who's paying that bill? Because that bill would be outrageous. So it is a delicate fine line as we move forward. You've already talked about your lovely wife and family. 
I, I noticed on your website uh, for your uh, election, you talk about your dog and your cat. Yeah. What do you do when you're not doing politics or being mayor? How do you relax? What do you do for fun? Or do you have any hobbies or guilty pleasures? I, I do. Um, I've always enjoyed athletics uh, at different levels. So people may not know, but I still try try to find time. Uh, I still curl with the West Northumberland Curling Club. We're blessed to have my wife's family cottage. So we try to skate there for two or three weeks that get as part of our family commitment. Uh, my wife and I still like to downhill ski and I like walking. Um, if I had more time, I would certainly join uh, plug for the Coburg Lawn Bowling Club. Uh, I like that because it's a close association to curling. Um, I love to read. Um, I think you know, as busy as I am, this past month, I've read uh, 10 different uh, books of, of different uh, levels and different genres. Can, can, you give us a, can you give us a title? What, what are you reading? Just give one, one example. What's on your bedside table? Uh, well, I just read uh, Between uh, Two Kingdoms, uh, which was uh, heart-wrenching uh, about a young lady uh, going through a cancer uh, journey. Uh, I just read Peter Mansbridge's uh, book, uh, his most recent book of uh, starting out in, of course, Winnipeg, which I didn't realize in the North Country, and some of his uh, uh, escalates along the way. Currently, I'm finishing up a thousand-page book on the Winston Churchill. Um, I read the book from Senator, I apologize, I should remember his name because he was the chair of the committee to impeach Donald Trump. And he wrote a book called Unthinkable and uh, about the riot in Washington. So yeah, that comes to mind as well. And I've just finished uh, Don David Frum's book on Trumpocity. So and, and I found time also to plug for our poet laureate. She put a beautiful uh, new book out on poetic form on uh, feathers. And I forget the, all the three words in the title, but I just got through reading that as well. Why should people vote for you on election day? No, that's a great question, Robert. I'm hoping uh, with my multitude of experiences uh, within the town of Colbert, more recently with uh, my ending my 12 year on council uh, on various forums from everything from planning, development, heritage, uh, dealing with uh, budget items, finances, up to being mayor. I like to believe I have a, a buffet of skills uh, that uh, I've learned along the way. I've built a lot of collaborative channels uh, with individuals from the federal provincial government, right down to Northumberland County, to the uh, NGOs, and right down to our community base. And I like to believe that at the helm with working with a, a town council, uh, that we can have Coburg in good stead uh, moving forward for the future. So I hope I can bring, um, and with that being said, um, new ideas, new focus. Um, I don't want to be stale because let's just rely on what we've done because as we evolve and develop a, a new strategic plan, what is in that strategic plan? And of course, that engagement with the public. 
John Henderson, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. And Robert, always a pleasure and have a good day. Thank you. That was John Henderson, candidate for mayor of Coburg. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.